It is not about our sacrifice. It's about His sacrifice that ultimately matters. So I encourage you to turn with me to Story of life. Um, we like to think of awesome in regard to what we know and what we have. Um, we go to the store and we buy some clothes and we say, this outfit is just awesome. It just makes me look so wonderful and everything and all that stuff. But no outfit is really awesome. Or relation to a car. Man, I just got this car and it is so awesome. I love it. I love to be in it. I love the interior. I love it. New car smell, you know, all that. But no car, no vehicle is fully awesome. Or a house. Oh, I love this house. You know, it's this great place. It's awesome. But not in the fullness of what the word awesome means. Even the people we love. Even our children. We say, man, that kid, he's so awesome. Or our grandchildren. Oh, they're so awesome. Let me show you the picture. Oh, you know. But the truth of the matter is, there is only one who is really awesome. And, and this morning, we want to take just some moments and look at this, because Paul, as, as he goes through this marvelous letter, he starts out in chapters 1 through 3, and he, he makes us come face to face with the fact that we have a heart issue, a problem known as sin. And then chapters 4 and 5, he, he talks about how there's peace through God available in the wonderful grace of God and salvation. 
And then we come through chapter 6 through 8 and he talks about this battle that goes on. But God promises victory even though there's a sinful nature. There's a Savior that provides victory. And then 9 through 11, we don't understand a lot of what happens to us, but God is still on the throne. Chapter 12, he says, submit yourselves then to God, your body, your mind, all to Him because He's worthy. Then we come to chapter 13, he talks about the liberty that He provides and talks about the fact that liberty comes as we obey the government and the authorities that God places. And then chapters 14 and 15, he talks about the fact that the liberty he has given to us, we need to share with others. We need to love people in grace. And then he comes to chapter 16, this last chapter. And Paul talks about relationships. He talks about people. He talks about those precious people that God has used to impact his life. But now we come to these last few verses. And he comes to what is most important of all, God himself. That He is the one truly upon the throne, the the one truly to receive our worship. I I remember years ago hearing a story of a precious believer who loved the Lord but was suffering from Alzheimer's. And her memory began to leave her. One of her favorite verses was all that remained in her last days. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And, and then as time went on, the verse became less and less in her mind. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Now, to Him who is able to do more than we... Now, to Him who is able... Now, to Him... Now, to... Until all that was left was Him. And guys, the truth of the matter is, He is all. And as as Paul shares here, he speaks about this precious fact. And and I want to just look at several areas here as we go through this section of Scripture. First, he's the one who establishes. (laughs) That that word means to prop. It's a picture of a support. And and notice in, in this text here, he says, verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you. He is that inner prop of hope that's within each of us. I I love that section of Scripture in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. And he talks about that God is able to keep us and to hold us. And that nothing can snatch us out of His hand. He says, my God that is greater than all is able to hold you firmly in His grip, in His hand. It's in John 10, 28, 29. He says, wonderful section of Scripture. That God holds us. And and then, of course, in this section of Scripture here in Romans chapter 8, those last two verses, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He's the one who supports us. He's the one who props us. He is our hope. He is the one to which we cling. And he also, secondly, he's the revealer of the gospel. Look at, look at the next part here um, in the scripture. He, he says, um, 
and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to revelation of the mystery hidden long ages past but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. He has revealed His hope. It's in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He's, he's made Jesus known to us. We can tell people about church. And we can tell people what a blessing it is to be with the people of God in church. But that's not enough. We can even tell people about how our lives have changed. What we were like before we started being active in church and coming to church weekly. you know. But it's not enough. We must tell Him the reason behind it all. And it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He is the one that's been revealed to us. And some... When they hear of Jesus, he, the Bible says He's the stone that the builders rejected. There are those who don't want to hear it. But the rejection is not to reject me or you. It's to reject Him. That There's a choice that comes to each of us. Will we receive the foundation that lasts or will we reject the foundation that lasts? And there's only one foundation that can be laid that will last, and that's Jesus Christ. Our lives are going to be based upon that choice. Whether we choose Jesus or whether we reject Him. Listen to Psalm 138, verses 1 through 3. Verses through the years that I've thought of, when I think of my own faith, how it seems to go up and down, and how I can be so stupid and weak. But he says here in the Psalms, I've, Psalm 138, he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I just want to stop here in a minute. And look, this is where it starts, guys. Where's your praise directed? The psalmist says, God, I will praise you, O God. So he starts there. Then he goes to the second verse. He says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name. Who do you bow to? For what is it you bow? What is it that matters the most in your life? Where do your thoughts go? Where do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? That is where you bow. And he says, I'll bow down toward your holy temple. And of course, we know, according to the new covenant, where is that holy temple? It is you and it is me. For the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ, inhabits us. We become the very temple of God. And so we must bow ourselves into His presence. See the key there? And, and He says here, He says, Toward your holy temple and will praise your name. Why? For your love and your faithfulness. A love that we will always have that cannot be separated. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And He is faithful. And He is true. And we can count on Him no matter what we face, no matter what predicament, no matter what pain, no matter what trouble. God is faithful. And we can depend upon Him. And He says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. The, where, the place we run is to His name and do His Word. And so that allows verse 3. Boy, have I quoted this a lot when I become just so wimpy. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. You see, I'm able to call a God, and He provides courage and a thick skin, stout-hearted, to tough it out. But why does that occur? Because first... I have bowed my life to the living God as His temple. I have submitted before Him and I have 
said, yes, I agree that your name is to be exalted. Your word is to be exalted through my life. And so when I cry out to him, there is a courage. He, get, he allows me to be bold, even though I'm weak. He gives me a thick skin to be stout-hearted that's beyond what I can do. It's what He does. This word that's shared here, in, in verse, back to verse 25, He, he said it is the, the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. The word mystery here, it, it's not some, you know, truth. It's just mystical. Impossible to understand. The word is closer to secret. It is the idea of something that was not known, but now it is known. Uh, when Cindy and I first served in a church, it was in Moorhead City, and we worked uh, with the young people. And there were these two middle schoolers, Billy and Heather, who, man, I, I you're not supposed to have favorites. I don't even want to say favorites, but I, yeah, I really like Billy and Heather. And Heather was just, man, she was so bubbly. Just bubbly and everything. It's just a joy to be around. Man, I loved hanging around Heather. And Billy, Billy hardly ever talked. And Heather would come around and she'd be like, oh, you know, and just bouncing off the walls and everything. And Billy would roll his eyes. You know, like, stupid girl. Well, we heard from Heather oh, probably about 10 years later. And you know what? Billy and Heather were married. What happened? Suddenly that girl, he rolled his eyes. Maybe there was a secret going on that I didn't see at the time. At some point, something changed and something was made known that had not been made known yet. And there was a change. A secret had been revealed. A truth was made known. And the secret of God's hope has been revealed in Jesus Christ by way of His Spirit that provides a hope for us. Maybe you heard the story of a Morris, the 82-year-old, who went to the doctor. And as he went to the doctor, uh, he heard the doctor's advice. And the doctor saw him a week later going down the street with this beautiful woman, half his age. And she was full-figured. And he had his arm around her. And he just looked so confident. And the doctor said, Morris, what are you doing? He said, I am following your advice. You said to me, get a hot mama and be cheerful. And the doctor said, I said, you got a heart murmur, be careful. <laughs> but the secret was out. And the truth is, in Jesus, we do have something to be cheerful about. Something that's lasting. Uh, all right, uh, God is the proclaimer to all nations. Look at the second part of verse 26. So that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. That word all is a little word, but it's got a big meaning. <laughs> uh, it's avail his, his salvation is available to all. There is nobody beyond the mercy and the grace of God. I might write people off, but not our God. I, I love, uh, well, in Second Corinthians where it talks about the work of the cross. And it says he has canceled the written code with its regulations. Nailing them to the cross. Taking away our sins. He has taken our sins and at the cross, at Calvary, they were nailed away at his death. 
their power was removed. And through His resurrection, His life is given to us, guys. And unfortunately, people look at God so often, they see Him as a dictator. He is not a dictator. He's a Savior. And that's His work. And that's what He wants us to know. I, I love Romans ten thirteen. I know in the NIV it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But in the Common English Bible it says, All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Same kind of meaning with that little word, All again. Everybody. All. There's no one beyond His reach. That's how we need to see it. I heard a story of a, a ship... Uh, and a storm came on the waters, and a guy was thrown overboard, and everybody was frightened of what to do because of the waves. And they were even afraid to put a lifeboat down in the water to try to save him. Finally, one guy frantically said, well, something's got to be done. And he was an expert swimmer. He jumped in the water, and there was a battle as he reached the guy who was about to go under, but then he completely ran out of energy. As he tried to make his way to the boat, it became evident he wasn't going to make it. And so they lowered the lifeboat and they managed to pull both of them into the lifeboat and then back into the ship. And then as they were able to bring both back fully conscious, the man, he didn't know what had happened to him, the one who had been saved by the other man. And his first words were, who saved me? And then he looked at the other man who was coming too and he came over to him And he didn't know what to do but to weep and say, you saved me. I just want to serve you. What can I do to serve you? See, that's the story of the gospel, except here's the twist. What Jesus did, he actually died. But praise be to God, he is the only one who's actually resurrected and provides us new life. You see, that's that's the message, guys. That's what's proclaimed to all the nations. And sometimes that word, maybe we've heard it so much that we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it, we don't hear it. We need to hear it. We need need to know that it's real. Um, All right, he's the initiator of the faith. He's the one that makes it clear. Turn back to Romans 10 with me, 11 through 15. As Paul is, is sharing the wonderful truth, he, he closes out here in verses 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus, Lord, if you believe in your heart, He's raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And, and then he comes down here, verse 11, he says, As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. In other words, you never will regret Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all. For he richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That includes me and you. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? It's not just someone standing in a pulpit here. It's all of us. We all have a call. Our lives are to take the message of Jesus. You know, I love the truth of the Great Commission. You know, go ye therefore into all the world. You know, go to all nations. Teaching them, obey all I've commanded you. In the actual Greek, it it could be read, as you are going. It is a command that just assumes where you go, the gospel is proclaimed. 
hey, it, it's not just a preacher in a pulpit. It's all of God's family is to proclaim that wonderful truth, that gospel. And he goes on here. Um, uh, you know, I love this. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, feet aren't the kind of things I normally, wow, look at his feet. Boy, she's got some gorgeous feet. Look at those feet. That's not, not normally what I look at here. But, oh, how beautiful are the feet that carry the news that gives hope in a world that's drowning. People are hurting. God says, my love reaches out to all that hurt and provides a hope that lasts, a hope that we can trust in Him to communicate that wonderful truth. He's the one God able to do that. Notice uh, back in the end of the book here, as he gives the praise here, he's described, verse 27, to the only wise God. He's wise as the depth of his riches that go beyond what we can possibly understand. We can trust him because he's trustworthy. He is the only one who has it together. The rest of us are just hanging on. Um, I love the story, maybe you've heard it, of, the doctor who was talking to one of his patients who was struggling with his disease. and This doctor was a believer, and so his patient asked, he said, how do you know God is real, and what is heaven going to be like? Can you tell, What is heaven going to be like? About that time, it, there was a scratching outside the door, and the patient said, what is that noise? He said, oh, that's, nah, that's my, my dog. He it's come by. It's about time for me to go and let the dog in. You know, he's like, you can hear the dog crying and whimpering and scratching at the door. And, and suddenly, the doctor got an idea. He said, "You know, he has he hasn't been in the room here. He hasn't met you. But what he does know is that I'm here. That's why he wants in the room. I can't tell you every detail about heaven, but what I can tell you is that God is there." You see, that's the ultimate truth of what matters there. Our wise God that we can trust in and we can turn to. That's where our passion goes, is to Him. He's a hope. Read to you. Uh, as I thought about this, I wrote, The new is a fresh view of the past. His precious revelation Praise God for what he's done. He set his people free from slavery in Egypt. He used judges to fight for a people who kept turning back to sin. He used a king who broke some of the most recognizable of wicked sins to write many of our ancient songs known as the Psalms. He is the God who decided to produce the wisest man outside of our Lord Jesus Christ through a lustful encounter. He chose to bring a life-changing message through a bunch of weak, unimpressive servants who've met a Savior who chose to serve rather than be served. And most amazingly, he chose to reveal himself to you and me. Amen. Uh, I close with, maybe you've heard of Johann Sebastian Bach, a great composer of another era, another generation. Man, this guy was gifted and he was talented. Matter of fact, uh, quickly his church noticed this and they said, Johann, we want to put you in charge of the music ministry. He's like, okay, this rascal, first 13 years of his music ministry, every month he wrote a cantata. Can you imagine? 
choir and the instruments would perform this cantata every month. He had a stretch of ministry where he wrote a cantata every week. God just poured beautiful music through him that brought glory and praise to God. And at the beginning of each of these cantatas, he would put the letters JJ. Jesu Java, which means Jesus help me. And at the end of the cantatas, he would put the letters SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, which means to the glory of God. I thought, what a great way for us to face each day. To start the day with Jesus help me, with hopes that at the end of the day, we might be able to say, to God be the glory. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for opportunity, Father. To worship you, all praises to you, O God. I pray now, Father, as we continue to worship, that you might open our hearts. I can think of no greater way for us to praise you than through the observance of the Lord's Supper. As we remember your greatest demonstration of love, Calvary. How Jesus willingly came, how he willingly faced death. Father, how he was willing to take a whip. Oh, Father, how he was willing to go to a cross. May we search our hearts, Lord, and as we continue to worship, guide us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask for the deacons to come down at this point as we prepare the table and as all of us are preparing our hearts to observe the Lord's Supper together.